0: You'll get a twenty percent discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncour.net. That's b-o-n-c-o-e-u-r dot net, and use the code citycast twenty. Did you know that one of the world's most photographed trees is actually here in Portland? The famous Japanese maple is a featured attraction at the Portland Japanese Garden, which is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year. And it turns out this week is the very peak time to catch fall colors down there. So today on CityCast Portland, host Claudia Mezza is talking with Magumi Kato and Will Lerner of the Portland Japanese Garden. They'll get into how the tree got its reputation, the garden's history, and why you need to get down there to check it out right now. It's Wednesday, November 1st. I'm lead producer John Natariani and this is what Portland's talking about.
1: I hear claims that you might have the most famous tree in the whole wide world. Now, <laughs> explain to me how this is rated, like what what the parameters of that is, like do, do tell. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I don't know about most famous. Uh, We usually describe it as being one of the most photographed trees. Uh, North America, but I think if we say North America, it's probably safe to say the world as well. And uh, that's just purely based on anecdotal evidence, I think. As soon as you start to see uh, some photos of it, then you start to see it everywhere. Uh, And the reason being that a local Portland resident took a picture of it in, I think, 2012, uh, and he won an award from National Geographic. And I think that helped inspire a lot more photographers to come and take pictures of it. And we've seen people from all over the world uh, come to visit and take pictures specifically of this tree. We had one gentleman who saw on our website that we were in peak fall colors drove overnight 16 hours straight from San Diego to take pictures of it.
1: Yeah, I can attest I've been to the Japanese garden during peak fall and it's it is like there's a celebrity amidst there's just so many people with so many you know uh, cameras and it feels like you're intruding on their space in a sense like you're like oh I'm I'm sorry I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move over (laughs) you know Uh, but it is a beautiful tree It's this Japanese maple Megumi or or Will, do you guys know where this maple came from? Because uh, I'm not saying this is what happened with this maple, but I heard that a lot of the trees were actually donated by people in the neighborhood, which is insane. You know, that there was already like Japanese-style trees in the Northwest.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, a lot of the trees and stones uh, throughout the garden are all from Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. When the garden was being Constructed starting in 1963, obviously, they didn't want to start off with a bunch of different saplings, so they uh, reached out to the community and asked for donations. So the tree that we've been talking about is among those donations. Uh, some other really notable ones are the weeping cherry in our flat garden. The only weeping cherry in the entirety of Portland Japanese Garden was donated by someone who's living here. And it was kind of, a, it was an interesting time because we're, you're talking about the mid-20th century. And so there's a lot of development and construction going on in the area. So streets are being constructed, highways are being constructed. And oftentimes, a lot of these older trees would be in the way. And so rather than these trees being destroyed, local community members hearing that the garden was looking for older, beautiful trees would donate them.
1: Right. You know, we're talking about the fall colors, and there is a significance of changing fall colors in pretty much all cultures, but uh, in Japanese culture, especially. Uh, there is something that you guys highlight. Could you talk a bit about that? Because when John was like explaining to me, he's like, oh, there's significance. And it's like the rebirth. And I was like, really? Rebirth and fall? I've never heard of that concept. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's so exotic, John. And then he was just like, look, just, just there's a whole thing there. Could someone break it down for me? Like, why is it so special?
3: Yeah, and I love that you say that because, um, you know, there is this sort of feeling, especially in Japan, of like, well, we have these four seasons and it's like, well, the four seasons actually exist everywhere else, yeah. you know, in a lot of other places as well. So it's not necessarily unique, but I will say that culturally there is this. Reverence for nature in Japanese culture that permeates a lot of the everyday life and, re- and really nearly every aspect of the culture there, and so the fleeting nature of Japanese maples reaching peak color that that really heightens this anticipation of what's to come, and so really a lot of these uh, what we call the harbingers of the season. Um, are things that in Japanese culture you you just revere and you value and and you sort of it's this idea it's it's almost like a reminder to just remember to live in the moment and that it is fleeting and to take advantage of that and to use it to connect with nature and connect to each other.
1: Yeah. So what if we were to say, hey, come to the garden at this time. This is when you're going to see the peak colors. Like, when would you like? What's the week? you would suggest? So it varies every year.
3: So it's like, it's usually towards the end of October as a safe bet. Although, you know, things like the temperature actually has a lot to do with the onset and the duration of these colors. And so I would say, um, you know, it's a safe bet to come this week. Um, I think the colors are already happening. We're having the, the colder weather that's really going to speed up the onset of the colors. And so There's no bad time to visit, too, when these colors are happening, because it is so special to be able to see the transformation of the colors as they're reaching peak.
2: I guess I would just point out that on our website, we have a fall color tracker, uh, JapaneseGarden.org slash fall 2023. uh, And that's updated regularly, so uh, folks can check out how it's going online before they visit. Uh, But, you know... Why ruin the surprise? Why not just come and see for yourself?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that there's like a little app that you guys created I learned that Japanese gardens are just, are known for being green, if that makes sense. Because I think American gardens were known for just like these bombastic colors and flowers. And so the fall is when Japanese gardens kind of shine. Like that's when they're just like, you know, doing their thing. So that it makes it even extra special because it's like the whole garden was essentially created for this peak season. You know, if you're looking at, if you're thinking about colors, you know. I, did I make it. that and, up? No, and you,
3: you absolutely did your homework and great job. And thank you, because that is true. Um, typically, uh, Japanese gardens are not meant to be ornate. Oftentimes, we have visitors coming in and asking the very earnest question of like, well, why aren't the plants labeled? Or why don't I see more flowers? Um, and it's a great point for us to be able to speak about the intention of Japanese gardens and how they are different from you know, maybe a more Western or botanical garden, and that it's not meant to be um, a collection of plants. It's more of, you know, it's more like a, a symphony. And a lot of it is around green and highlighting, especially in our garden, too, things like moss and um, the different textures um, and tone of green. It's, it's meant to be much more austere. Um, but yes, it's it's true. In fall, it is exceptional, The backdrop of the evergreens being so deep and green, and then it really sets off the the vibrant colors of the red and the the gold and the yellow. Uh, It makes them pop even more, so it's a very special scene to be able to see in the fall, and, and it is very fleeting.
1: The Garden's Inception has a really interesting history because it's also tethered to the discrimination that Oregonians with Japanese heritage have experienced uh, because of, you know, when it was uh, created, which is only 20 years after World War II. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that history for those of us who haven't heard of it?
3: yeah and i'm I'm really glad that you bring this up because it was not it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows by any means. it was protested. not everyone wanted Portland Japanese garden to exist. not everyone wanted a Japanese garden to exist in portland um you know, there was a lot of racism bigotry um hatred and yet the uh, the people who came together and Made everything happen so that Portland Japanese Garden could exist and even drummed up the support from the community. They had the foresight and the big heart at the time to understand that things needed to start somewhere in order for reparations and healing to happen. Um, And it wasn't easy. You know, we had our first garden director um, who helped to create Portland Japanese Garden through the vision of our garden designer, he basically lived on site, and um, like on a trailer, was,
1: right? Like I heard he about that. He lived on a trailer,
3: yeah. yes. And he, um, he was assaulted, and maybe it was because of the time that they were able to still um, come back from being assaulted and come back from protests, and to have that gumption and the and the courage, and also the in, that sort of internal fire to continue on and forge forward to create something that look at it now, it's just such a it's, we're so honored to be considered such a gem of the community and to be able to exist as a resource for Oregonians.
1: Not long after uh, Japan opened borders at the end of the 19th century, we saw that there were like articles in the Oregonian in like 1892 about designing Japanese gardens. So there was always this like fascination with like, oh, look at this beautiful culture. But then there's just like this sad, just s- stupid, empty racism Um But I also really do love that cultural exchange because I don't know if you've uh, gone to travel Portland, but they have an entire travel Portland sign that is just for Japanese tourists. Like they don't have that for just like French tourists or for just, you know, Italian tourists. It's Japan. It's like there's like this real like cultural exchange that's happening between Portland and Japan. And I think that's beautiful. I know what you're, exactly what you're talking about, and I've
3: seen it described as this, um, like, an ongoing love affair between Portland and Japan, too, because there is such a strong connection of Japanese culture and Japanese businesses, mm-hmm. either having their first store or only store or one of their North American outposts in Portland. Like a ferry, yeah. Part, is it? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It, it is interesting, though, because I also have heard that we have a totally comparable climate to the northern regions of Japan. Oh, uh, which is why our garden could be extra special. Absolutely, and even down to things like—and uh, I'm making it sound
3: small—and it's actually huge. But like Mount Hood and Mount Fuji having a lot of similarities as well. And that's one of the, the cherished parts about the overlook in Portland Japanese Garden. We have a Mount Hood overlook, and it reminded our first garden designer of a scene in Japan. And he looked at Mount Hood from the location where we are in Washington Park, and in the garden and he looked out and was like, I got to make sure I borrow this scenery and recreate it as if someone is looking, you know, at a mountain in Japan, even though they're here in Portland.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I also just want to point out that my mom hates a lot of things and she went to the Japanese garden and that's all she talks about now. Yeah. And she's she's from L.A. She just was like so her mind was blown. She was like, it was so beautiful. I felt so peaceful in there. And I was like, oh, my God, like you made my mom happy. Thanks, you guys.
2: Uh, Well, Portland Japanese Garden loves Claudia's mom. And we've always said that.
1: (laughs) Oh, perfect.
3: I'll let her know. That's the only opinion that matters to us. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, um, we didn't really talk about the koi uh, fish and they're kind of a star on the, in their own right. Two questions: One, can you can they hear you coming when you're going to feed them? Like do, I heard, like somebody was like, "Oh, I hear the like they know when they're going to get fed, and they all just like." And we were trying to figure out if it was the food or the footsteps. Like, like what is it? Like, are they trained?
2: Uh, they have an outlook calendar, and so they just um, refer to that. Uh, no, our koi caretaker will come and actually uh, carries a uh, kind of a pole. And we'll uh, hit the zigzag bridge, which is the name of the bridge uh, where the oh. near where the koi are. And they they do respond to that sound. Um, so, uh, yeah. So they, they do so hear cool. or, or they at least feel the vibrations, I suppose.
1: Oh, and is it true that uh, towards the end of uh, the spectacular fall season, they're the ones that at night come out and prune the bonsai?
2: Claudia, I don't know who told you that. Um, clearly, we have a leak.
1: okay
3: we're not going to confirm nor deny this okay use of proprietary
1: okay all right well i guess we'll just wrap it up here because i don't want (laughs) to get you guys in trouble (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much for for coming on and, and telling us a bit about the history of the of the garden
2: Thank you. Of course,
1: thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Do you have any other questions that you wanted to like go through or any? You know, I actually did. Ha- this is a random question that I have. So I went there once with like a friend who didn't understand the like rock garden. Like, you know how you have the rake and stuff. And so they just walked up and started doing it. And we're just like, what are you doing? That's not for you. And, th- <laughs> and I was just like, that's true, right? Like that's like that's somebody else's job, right? We're not supposed to mess with that.
0: Right. right. You're both yeah. nodding
1: very enthusiastically. So I understand now that what we did was bad. Okay, good. She didn't do a, a curse word or anything. She just thought that it was like, you know, like a interactive thing. And I was just like, I don't think we're supposed to go on there.
2: We uh, we love it in spirit, not necessarily <laughs> practice.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. So good to know. I was like, wait, did I get that wrong? Should we be doing that? Okay, no. In her defense, the rake was like right there just like waiting for someone to Mm -hmm. pick it up and go in there and you know do their thing
3: i love that she went there though you know she just rolled up (laughs) her sleeves and was like i got this i I i'm gonna i'm gonna help
0: that's all for us today here on citycast portland but thank you so much for listening If you enjoyed the show, we'd really love it if you could tell one of your friends about it or leave us a rating or a review. I'm lead producer, John Natariani. We'll be back tomorrow morning with much more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.